Hello and welcome to The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. Each week, the sharpest minds and freshest thinkers in finance take you beyond the numbers and hype, right to the heart of the big issues of the day. This week is the latest of our short series of special programmes in which we're looking back at the recent UBS European Conference here in London and picking out a few of the key panels and themes to explore in greater depth. We've already discussed central banks and in the weeks ahead, we'll be taking a deeper dive into gender equality in economics too. But in today's edition, we're shining a spotlight on equity markets. Here to discuss UK versus US listings and equity capital markets, we're fortunate to have from UBS Global Banking both James Arnold, co-global head of Strategic Insights and Advisory, and Gareth McCartney, global co-head of Equity Capital Markets. James was the moderator of the panel, a turning point for UK capital markets, and he's joined by Gareth for a view on ECMs, IPOs and more. Up for discussion will be questions like, where is the top of US rates? And, as that panel that James moderated asked, have we reached that turning point for UK CMs? Let's welcome them both. James Arnold, Gareth McCartney, great to have you both with us today. It's always a busy time around the European conference. And James, well, let's start with that. Remind us first up what the conference is exactly and why it is such a useful event for all. It's always a compelling occasion, isn't it? It is, and thanks for the question. So I always find that meeting, I mean, literally hundreds of investors, tens of companies, listening to policymakers, experts and academics, it's just a great opportunity to reflect on some of the the bigger trends in markets and perhaps take a step back in a way it's very hard to do sometimes in day-to-day work. And yeah, and specifically, I hosted a panel on on the UK, and you know, as we know, we've written quite a lot as a team about the UK and the state of the equity market at the moment. And as a as a one line throwaway, it is fair to say that the we did a poll of the audience who were pretty much consensually bearish about the outlook for the UK. Well, yeah, let's jump in on, on that. I know you and your team, James, have done loads of work looking at equities, looking at UK versus US valuations in, in particular. Now, it's funny, if you just listen to the headlines and you know listen to those making the most noise, you may be led to believe it's a very clear-cut picture. But I think, as ever, it's somewhat more nuanced than that, isn't it? I think that's exactly right. And I think what we were trying to do as a team is, is, you know, to be clear, we are absolutely not trying to be cheerleaders for the UK. But what we were absolutely trying to do was to have a very thoughtful, detailed look at the underlying picture. And so in a simplistic argument, there's a couple of different things going on here. So one is that on a headline level, absolutely right. The US does look more expensive than the UK, but that is not comparing things that are identical, in fact, not even close to being identical. The work that my team did was to look at roughly 60 groups of companies that look much more similar in the client base or the business model they have, and then compare the valuations of those between the UK equivalent and a a US equivalent. And again, what we're trying to say in the piece of work that we've been doing is is it's not that there isn't a valuation in, in the issue in the UK. But there's no systematic valuation discount in the UK. So in the work we did, roughly 40% of those UK pairs we looked at, the valuations were either in line or more expensive than the US equivalent. So yes, 60% the US pairs looked more expensive, but but this whole narrative around the UK just systematically undervaluing equity, I, I think is just incorrect. There is a second issue though, which is which came through really clearly at the panel, which is there is 
as we were looking bottom up, there's an absolutely significant top down view as well. And listening to the panelists and listening to the voting, we asked the audience to vote on these things. There's absolutely no doubt that politics and, and Brexit and volatility in the UK have all just made it harder for international investors to deploy capital into the UK. And I think what absolutely fascinates me is that lots of those things feel like we're at a bit of a turning point in various of those trends. And if you go back five years, nobody thought Japan would be a positively performing equity market. It was dead. And, and that's been an incredible place to put money. And I, we're just speculating as to whether something similar is starting to happen in the UK as well. Yeah, absolutely fascinating. And I have plenty more questions I, I'm going to ask you, James, about that in, in a moment. But Gareth, let me just bring you in here. Just in terms of the, the overview, I know we're going to talk a little bit more later about ECMs, IPOs as well, maybe. But just tell me, even with a bit more of a watching brief uh, at the conference, it must be, as James said, you must recognise the opportunity that's afforded from hearing all of this mix of, of voices and just getting to really get stuck into the, the substance of the issue. Is it one of these occasions where despite all the learnings from your research, sometimes, you know, you, you just need to have those different conversations, don't you, to, to, to discover some other narratives? Is, does it provide that kind of opportunity for your brief as well? What's almost unique about the conference is you get a generalist perspective on the world because you've got lots of different sectors and industries represented and it brings together the corporates and the investors in the same forum. If you look at the majority of conferences, they tend to be industry specific. So you get a lot of detail, but within a sub vertical. So I think for generalist investors to be able to come have a forum where they can see a wide range of CEOs and CFOs from the biggest companies across Europe, but then also participate in a bunch of panels, which again, allows a two way flow of information but for some of the big views and some of the consensus views in the markets to be challenged. I think that's, for me, why this is such a standout event. Yeah, most definitely. Well, just give us a quick headline then. If we look back at ECM in 2023, draw out a couple of the, the key headlines as you see it that, that are relevant if we're thinking about what we've seen in that space. Yeah, I think if you looked at the beginning of the year, we would have expected the IPO market to be, I think, more active than it's actually played out in being. And particularly if you look at just headline market performance year to date, up double digits or even in the NASDAQ up 30% year to date. And equity volatility has been pretty much at five year lows for a lot of the year. I think most DCM bankers would have said that's ideal conditions for issuance and we would have seen a normalized IPO market. I think what we've had instead is the one step down from that is the backdrop remains fragile, You know whether it's geopolitical concerns or really the story of this year for me has been about where is the top of US rates going to be? And with that backdrop, if you look at longer lead time product like the IPO market, it's been harder to get deals done. What gives us some encouragement though for next year is in Europe particularly, we've seen some very significant block trades go through. And actually the UK is, is very relevant for that with the LSE. There's been a number of outsized multi-billion dollar placements done that have gone well. So that tells me investors do have capital. They want to allocate that to the market. But we've seen the confidence and the reference levels to see blocks be very busy. What we haven't seen yet is a genuine fully fledged reopening of the IPO market, which we would expect to see in 2024. 
Well, yeah, and I, I wonder some of the factors, maybe you can both talk a bit about this. If we're talking about the LSE as an attractive listing venue, for example, I guess there's tweaks and changes on a legislative basis, regulatory changes that have been made. Is that is that super important in explaining that trend that you've identified? I, I don't know, maybe you could both weigh in on that. Yeah, I think there's, there's, there's no doubt that there is a significant and coordinated effort to make the UK more attractive as a listing venue. That's a multifaceted debate from some of the technicals and regulatory governance changes that are going through to make it easier for companies to list here, and then some more strategic changes potentially around pension fund investing, etc. But I think there's no doubt that issuers are seeing those efforts to make the UK more competitive and more attractive. But again, I think in line with what James was saying on the broader market, I think it's always very dangerous in a period of low activity to take a few data points and then extrapolate them into megatrends. And so I think what we really need to see is actually more deal flow, a normalized market, and then we can start to see some of the trends come through. Because in my mind, there's no doubt if you've got a good equity story, then it really should be company specific as to where you list. And I think the UK or Europe or the US are all very good venues for that. But really, it comes down to the company-specific stories, as opposed to saying the UK market or the European markets aren't working. James, let me come back to you. On you were reflecting in your opening remarks about some of the difficulties, you know, with the flow of international investor capital into the UK. And I know you were talking about this combination of structural and cyclical reasons. But maybe talk a bit about that. You know, again, is it just cyclical? This seeming lower risk appetite for for the UK, certainly for for international investors. How how should we? best understand that if, if that is what we're saying? It's a great question. I think there's sort of two different sets of investors in reality. So, so to talk about the UK, and, and I certainly think slightly back to Gareth's point, we've effectively seen disinvestment from UK equity since the early 2000s. And without getting too technical, sort of pension fund deficits were bought onto balance sheets that led to material de-risking of pension schemes, which led to, to selling of equities. And there's statistics from the ONS that really, really clearly show the sort of the decline of UK equity ownership from UK institutions. So that definitely has been a backdrop for 20 years. On the international flow, I think there's a really interesting two-headed coin here. On the one side, you'd absolutely argue in a really perverse way that the LSE and UK companies have done a staggering job of attracting international capital. So you take the average register, shareholder register in London, it probably comes roughly 40% plus comes from US institutions one way or the other, and roughly 20% probably comes from European institutions. So London is an extraordinarily diverse place for capital to come. That's obviously filled the void of UK pension funds selling equities over the last 20 years or so. So I think one of the reasons we're really interested in this topic is you feel like you're at a bit of a turning point on both sides of it. So from that flow from international, those marginal flows, yeah, like normalization of politics, um, perhaps less volatility of currency, all of these things will slowly play into that being a better opportunity over time. But from the UK point of view, interestingly, we're not actually short of investable pots of assets in the UK. We've got very significant pots of assets, whether that's in local authorities or DBs or the, or the growing pot of DC money. 
what's needed is a sort of a rejuvenation of risk culture this idea that putting some of that into equity for the long term is the right thing to do and i've give you one final reflection i've been talking to lots of investors about this over the last 12 months as well and perhaps one of the most fascinating things is this idea of, of redeveloping an equity culture in the uk and, and getting equities back in a good way onto the front page of newspapers and into conversations and encouraging people making people think that this is the right thing to be doing with their money again well, yeah, let, let's put an eye firmly then on the, the, the future. Gareth, let me jump back to you. You recapped what 2023 thus far has looked like. If we look into 24, do you expect to pick up in ECM, reopening IPO markets? Give us some broad brush thoughts about the direction of travel. Yeah, I think the IPO market's inherently cyclical. We saw the longest period the IPO market was closed for um, was actually around the financial crisis time when we had roughly 18 months of the market effectively being closed globally. This time round, we're well over two years, really, where we've seen a normal functioning market. So if you just look historically, we're at the right time for the market to, to reopen. I think a lot of the big geopolitical and macro uncertainty isn't behind us, but it's either being well managed or there's more visibility for investors. So it's, it's difficult to see that the IP market doesn't benefit from a secondary market that has a lot more of the unknowns with certainty. So the top of rates in the US is one key part of that. So I think we've got history telling us that the market should reopen just from a time duration perspective. I think you've got secondary market indicators being much more supportive and creating a better backdrop. And then the last piece for me is, if you look particularly at private equity and also, I guess, the entrepreneur group who've got some very good assets, there are some very, very attractive, very large assets um, being held in private hands, which A, the public markets would want to see come public, and B, will provide, I think, the big liquid events that actually helps to restore credibility and confidence in the IPO market. And so I would expect the early part of next year, we see some of those you know, bigger, outsized, good quality assets coming that helps really reopen the IPO market properly. And then the confidence should feed on itself to see further issuance. What we will not see is, you know, we're not calling a return to the 2021 bull market that we saw. But I think what we are seeing, as we did with the blocks market this year, which turned quite quickly, actually, we would expect to see a normalized environment with normalized volumes as we certainly get into the second half of next year. Yeah, really interesting. Well, James, let me come back to you. The panel you moderated, I don't know if it's the only one, but it was certainly one of them. The turning point for UK capital markets, that was the question, as you can hear from my intonation. But I guess the final thought, answer the question for us. Are we at a turning point? Have we passed it? Where are we at? There's a sort of reasonable amount of sort of scepticism embedded in the way you phrase that question. And I think that was exactly the conclusion to the panel, actually, which is, as I think as Gareth has really nicely laid out, there are a whole bunch of things changing or about to change in the UK, from plumbing through to politics, through to cycles uh, and the like. And we, as I said earlier, we asked the audience is does the next 12 months reflect that turning point? And there's a resounding sort of two thirds no was the answer from the audience. And that to me is actually really, really interesting because I think as we all know, capital markets are probably more often wrong than they are right in terms of the consensus views. And when you get such a clearly articulated 
consensus view thrust in your face in such a public format as we did earlier this week, sort of the contrarian in me just wants to think about the other sides of that argument. And that's why I think this literally what we've been trying to do with our work is that we absolutely can see the negative. We absolutely understand that. But in the face of that, things are starting to get better. So I'm dodging your question. I think the answer probably is on a 24-month view, yes. And that's James Arnold, bringing us to the end of this edition of The Bulletin with UBS, setting the agenda in the fast-moving world of finance each week here on Monocle Radio. Listen again and explore more at monocle.com or follow the programme wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to discover more and find out how UBS can help you at ubs.com. This is The Bulletin with UBS on Monocle Radio. I'm Tom Edwards. Thanks for listening.